Mark chapter 4, verse number 24 says, uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I want to pause here and say that sounds unfair, doesn't it? To who, who, the, the one who has more, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Listen to what he says. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Tonight, I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping. Everybody say sowing and reaping. I believe there is a spiritual law and principles called the law of the harvest, the law of seed time and harvest by uh, different folks. But there is a spiritual principle to sowing and reaping. And here in Mark, he says the kingdom of God is like scattering seed on the ground and you get this harvest, though you do not know how it works. Does anybody ever feel that way? You don't know quite how it works, but we know that when we sow, we will reap. And so I want us just one more time to go to the Lord in prayer and just ask him to open our hearts that he would speak to us clearly and concisely that we could live for him in a better way. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray right now you would move through this room and open our hearts, focus our minds to receive what you have to say to us. And God, help us to begin to live in the spiritual promises of your word. In Jesus name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Farming is uh, an interesting industry. Every morning, uh, I drive by a large field just outside of our neighborhood uh, on the way, taking the kids to school. And uh, I've been able to watch over the last few years as they've grown corn in the field. I, when I first moved here, I said, Oh, it's, it's a cornfield. It's a cornfield. Look at that beautiful cornfield. Um, and then, lo and behold, next season it was a cotton field. I said, well, I didn't know you could grow corn and cotton. I'm a city boy, grew up in the concrete jungle of San Antonio, Texas. And it was a corn field, then it was a cotton field. And for the last few months, after they harvested the cotton, they have let the field grow without planting any seed. And it just looks like a grass field. It's a beautiful green field. And its soil is obviously able to produce. I've watched as they let it grow without planting a seed or planting a harvest. Yet still something was growing there. And even though something was growing there, it held no value to those who farmed the field. Couldn't be sold at market. It was growth, but it couldn't put food on tables or produce clothes from the cotton. And so this morning as I drove by, I noticed that they had plowed the field, turned the soil in preparation for another planting. A few months from now, it was growth, but it couldn't put food on table. Lord. We got an echo in the house. Amen. I don't know what happened just there. 
I think we just loop back in time for a second. <laughs> Amen. Well, that preacher sounded good, didn't he? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, but nevertheless, a few few months from now, they are going to have a harvest. How many of you believe that? They're planting today, but a few months from now, they will have a harvest. They're planting now. Knowing that if they plant and farm correctly, they will have a harvest of whatever kind of seed they plant. Whether it's corn or cotton, I cannot tell. Because I don't know by looking at the tractors driving across the field. But I do know this, that the law of the harvest is such that whatever they plant, that is what they're going to grow. Farming is an interesting industry because... There are no last-minute harvests. Do I have any last-minute people in the house tonight? Tax time is coming up. And some of you just now realized that. We always wait last minute to do the things that need to be done. We scramble at the last minute. Some of us, we send in the money for our life bill on the last day. We wait until it's Friday afternoon and we got to get to the bank at at 4.55 p.m. we roll in. Got to cash that check because we're last-minute people. But in farming, there is no last-minute harvest. You can't forget to plant the seed and come harvest time, run out to the field and start scattering seed furiously hoping that there will still be a harvest. That's not the way that farming works. There's no scramble to plant seed just before harvest time. There are no redos in farming. Because whatever you plant is planted. You can turn up the field. But you can't take back the seed. There are no redos. What is planted will grow. It's the nature of farming. Farming requires faithfulness to a process. While looking forward to a certain outcome. And so it's easy to see why Scripture so often taps into the language of farming to describe the life of faith. It's easy to see why over and over and over again the Scripture returns to this uh, agrarian view of what faith is like. God is interested in results. Does anybody believe that? God is interested in outcomes. Amen? Does anyone believe that? God cares about how our lives end up, about how our stories end up, about where our families and where our souls end up. In fact, this book is all about outcomes. It's all about the final outcome of eternity and heaven and hell. And so God is interested in results. And he is a God of cause and effect. His word is laced with references to activities that produce Certain outcomes. Listen to his wisdom in Proverbs 22 and 8. He says, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. He said, you sow injustice, you reap calamity. Job 4, 8, ESV. As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble will reap the same. Proverbs 6, 32. He who commits adultery lacks sense and he who does it destroys himself. Cause, somebody say cause, and effect. You do one thing, you get a predictable outcome. 
Hosea 10.13, you have plowed iniquity, you have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your own warriors. It's cause and effect. God says that you plowed iniquity so you reaped injustice and you've eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in yourselves more than you trusted in God. Listen to this, it doesn't just work negatively. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. One verse earlier. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Here, encapsulated in these two verses, is the picture of the believer's cause and effect. That you can sow yourself righteousness and reap steadfast love, or you can plow iniquity and reap injustice. It's a matter of cause and effect. And over and over and over again, the scriptures refer to cause and effect, sowing and reaping. The conclusion is that God is invested and interested in showing people how to have the right outcomes in life. And we, we can mystify the Bible so often and, and make it seem as if the ideas and thoughts of scriptures are somewhere way up in the clouds. But I want to tell you, it's right down here where we live, that if you will obey the scripture, if you will pattern your life after the scripture, there are some predictable outcomes. I want to pause and say those predictable outcomes aren't if you worship Jesus Money's going to fall out of the sky. That the great sugar daddy of heaven is going to give you everything you ever wanted. I'm not talking about that kind of faith. But there are some predictable outcomes both in sin and in righteousness. There are some predictable harvests that we can have. How many of you have ever looked at somebody and, and, and seen something in their life that you would like to have in your life? I'm not talking about their brand new car. I'm talking about their prayer life. Anybody ever looked at someone and said, man, I would love to have a prayer life like that. Somebody who has a spiritual gift, I would love to have the ability to operate in the spirit like that. I would love to, to have the gift of faith like they have the gift of faith. I'm here to tell you that all of the promises of God are available to us. Through the process of sowing and reaping. I'm going to say that again. That everything that God has and has said is yours is available to you through the process of sowing and reaping. God is interested in blessing us, in using us. In helping us to receive all that he has for us. But I'm here to say that the majority of the time, his promises work through processes. Anybody believe that? God said, Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. And do you know how many sons God gave Abraham? One son of promise, right? One son of promise. God gave him a promise that his seed would be like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. But it didn't happen immediately. It happened through a process. God's promises come to us through processes. Are miracles possible? You know what miracles are? 
I heard one preacher put it this way. And don't get offended. Hear me out. Miracles are God's welfare plan. Really. Because there are processes that bring about promises. But miracles are when God steps into the process when it shouldn't be. And he says, I'm going to do this by my sovereign will, even though it shouldn't be done. Because if it was a natural outcome, guess what? It wouldn't be a miracle. (laughs) Right? And so, are miracles possible? Yes. Can God do the impossible? Yes. But too many Christians spend their life sowing one type of seed and praying for another type of harvest. And what I've come to tell you is that whatever you desire in God is available through sowing and reaping. They sow one type of seed and pray for another type of harvest. You know what I'm talking about. They sowed a career. And then when family is falling apart and the kids are distant and unreachable, they pray for a miracle in the family. And that's what makes it a miracle. Because the seed hasn't been planted to receive that harvest. Amen? People sow to following their own desire and then earnestly pray to reap the spiritual blessings that come from self-control. And it's not really possible without God interrupting the natural laws and doing a miracle. People sow financial irresponsibility and then pray for a harvest of blessing on their finances. And they're praying for a miracle. Can miracles happen? Yes. God can do what He wants to do when He wants to do it. He can bless whomever He will. But I'm here to tell you. That you can receive what God wants for you through the process of sowing and reaping. I was recently told about a conversation with a preacher who was needing a financial breakthrough in his life. And so he decided all of a sudden he was going to start giving extravagantly. He was talking with a, a group of other preachers and they stopped him and they said... We're not going to criticize you ever for giving to the kingdom of God. But you need to understand something. This was a guy who had given his finances away and given his finances away to this and to that, to all kinds of different things, not just the kingdom of God, but just just kind of pilfered away his finances, hadn't planned for the future. And now he was sowing all of this at the last minute, trying to reap a financial breakthrough because he sees how far behind he is. And the two preachers that were with him stopped him and told him, that's not how faith works. There's another preacher in the group who told him that every month the Lord spoke to him to set aside an amount of money for God to direct him where to give it and when. And he said he lets that account grow until God says, give it here or give it there or do this with it or do that with it. And I want to tell you something. Financial blessings flow through sowing seeds. Amen? Through sowing seeds. Not waiting until it's almost harvest time and then grabbing buckets of seed and running after the field and trying to make up for lost time. But faith looks a lot like farming. Is what the second preacher said is there's a system that I've put into my life whereby I make sure that I'm giving to the things of God. That the Spirit is able to direct me to give at such a time as He will. And He said, I've built into my life the kind of faith that says, God, I don't know when, 
And I don't know where you want me to give, but I'm going to sow seed continually. I'm going to give above my tithe and my offering. And, and it wasn't too long ago that preacher number two was blessed with a house about half of market price in a very hot market because of the system of sowing that he had in his life. And here's what I'm saying. Am I criticizing the first preacher? No. Sow all you want into the kingdom. Give all you want to the kingdom. Let us not make the mistake of underestimating the power of having the kind of faith that says, I'm not waiting around, but I'm going to start today sowing on purpose to see the kind of harvest that God wants me to have in my life. I'm not going to wait until the need is pressing. I'm not going to wait until it's almost harvest time, but I'm going to start today. Somebody say start today. I've said this before, and, and, and it comes back to my spirit again. The, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Amen? That was the best time to plant a tree. But the second best time to plant a tree is right now. And here's what we do is a lot of times we will wait, and then we'll try to make up for what we didn't sow with great acts of faith. And I'm not here to tell you that that's not possible because God is gracious and God is good. But here's what I am here to tell you, that if there's a certain kind of harvest you want to see in your life and that God has placed into your heart that he's going to give you, if you will start sowing today, then you will see the harvest. Just as sure as the farmer who goes and plants that field in the next few days right outside my neighborhood will have a harvest, so will the child of God who says in his heart, I want to sow into the kingdom of God financially. I want to sow my time and my effort. I want to sow my talent. I want to sow to the things of the Spirit. And whatever kind of seed you throw out, you can count on the law of the harvest. Does anybody believe that tonight? All of God's promises are available to us. But more often than not, they come through the process of sowing and reaping. And so that means that the key to the promise is in my hands. It's in my hands. Our pastor preached here a while back on finances and he said the harvest is up to you. It's up to you. What you get out of your life is up to you entirely. What you, the outcomes that you see in your life is up to you entirely. Listen to Galatians 6, 7. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. He says, do not be deceived. There is a deception in our world. Think about this. That you can do whatever you want to do. And God is such a God of love that you won't reap what you sowed. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that if we repent and if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. How many of you believe that? I hope so, because this is a Christian church. <laughs> Amen. That Jesus takes care of the penalty of our sins through the Amen. And so, I want to say in addition to that, that oftentimes the forgiveness of sin does not undo 
the consequences of sin. Because a death row murderer can repent and find full forgiveness of his sins at the foot of the cross. And it doesn't change the bars that are around him. He has reaped a harvest of prison time because he sowed the seeds of a criminal life. And God can forgive him. God can redeem him. God can rescue him. But oftentimes it does not undo the law of the harvest. And so he says, do not be deceived. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Paul pleads, don't. Be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever we're planting, that will we reap. That means I must plan on the promises that I will receive. I must spend time and effort investing in the outcomes that I want to see in my walk with God, in my family, in my career, in my children, and in my church. You know what the pet peeve of pastors everywhere is? If you, if you don't already, you're about to. <laughs> you know what the pet peeve is? Is when people come and say, well, I wish our church would A, B, C, D. Well, why don't we A, B, C, D? Why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? And oftentimes, it's the same people who are just not willing to get involved. Let me tell you something. Whatever kind of harvest you want to see is related to the kinds of seeds that you're planting. If you want to see a harvest in your church, then get involved. Plug into something. Get involved in what the kingdom of God is doing. Find a way to invest in the kingdom. If you want to see a revival of those that are addicted, come spend time with Celebrate Hope, our new group. Don't just say, why don't you preachers and you, you, you church people, why don't you, why don't you all go reach some addicted people? No, sow into the kingdom. If you want to see that kind of harvest, you've got to plant that kind of seed. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that will he reap. The seed is in our hands. But we must sow them in order to see the harvest. And so I'm here tonight to tell you that faith looks like farming. Faith looks like faithfulness to a process. While looking towards an outcome. It looks like pressing on through moments of doubt and fear. It looks like sowing seeds when all you can see is turned up soil. It looks like watering the ground when you can see no growth. It is faith in the outcome that drives the farmer to work while he cannot yet see the results. This is the kind of faith that we need. This is the kind of faith that can move mountains. This is the kind of faith that can bring forth a harvest. It's people who said, I'm not just wishing. I'm not just 
hoping. I'm not just throwing a Hail Mary at the last minute. But no, I'm praying. And I'm investing. And I'm believing. And I'm planting. And I'm watering until I see it come. I won't quit. I won't be denied. I won't give up. I won't give out because of what it looks like. No, faith is like farming. It's I'm planting this seed because we have a God who is the Lord of the harvest. And if, Brother Greg, if I just keep reaching out long enough, that there will come a harvest of revival. If I just keep praying, there will come a harvest of blessing and a breakthrough. If I keep worshiping, there will be a harvest in my life. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know what we need? We need a mature faith. We need a faith that isn't just moved by the moment of emotion. We need a faith that says on Monday when I don't feel like praying and I'm tired from the weekend, I'm still going to get up and I'm going to keep planting because I've got kids that need to be saved. I've got a family that's lost. I've got neighbors that need the Lord. And so I may not feel like it. But I'm going to get my spiritual tractor. <laughs> I'm going to put seed in the bucket. And I'm going to go spread. I'm going to go plant what I want to see in my life. I'm not going to wring my hands and hope that God gives me what I think I want. I'm going to plant. And if I'll plant, somebody say, I'll see a harvest. I'll see a harvest. You want to know why some people never see a harvest? They either don't plant or they quit when it doesn't happen right away. Imagine a farmer that goes out and plants a seed, never waters it, never tends the field, never takes another look at it, and then is frustrated with God, and is frustrated with the field because there is no harvest. I want to tell you, faith looks like farming. Faith is getting up every day, looking towards an outcome and looking towards a goal and saying, God, I'm believing you for something bigger than can happen in a moment. I'm not looking for a miracle. I'm looking for a harvest. Does anybody hear me? I'm not looking for a miracle. I'm looking for a harvest. Because the Bible says that if I will sow to the Spirit, I will reap of the Spirit life Everlasting. I will reap abundant life. I'll get back. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be a year from now. It may not be five years. But if I keep planting and if I keep watering, there will be a harvest. The seed is in our hand. It is faith in the outcome that drives the farmer to work while he cannot yet see results. It doesn't look like a last-minute scramble to get the right results. I mean, think about it. <clears throat> Matthew 25, great chapter of Scripture. Jesus is teaching. He begins to teach about the ten virgins. We, we know the story. The ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. The Bible says the five wise had planned and rationed and prepared for the coming bridegroom. History tells us he would come, and at the time that he came, it was their job to take their lamps and light the way to the bride. And so the five wives planned, and they had oil in their lamps and their wigs trimmed. And then the Bible says the five foolish took no oil. They brought lamps, but they assumed there would be time to get the oil. Anybody ever done that? You planned something, and you thought, well, there will be time to do that. And lo and behold, there was no time to do that. 
That's the five foolish. They showed up and they, look, I brought my lamp. I remembered my lamp. Where's your oil? Oh, well, I just figured we'd stop by and get it on the way. The Bible says they have no oil. But while they're trying to make up for lost time, the bridegroom comes. A warning cry comes, the bridegroom cometh. And they scramble to the market for oil. They ran to go make up for lost time. But while they're trying to make up for time, they didn't spend preparing. The bridegroom came and they missed the wedding. The only difference between the wise and the foolish was that the wise were able to receive what the foolish were not because they had spent time, energy, and effort in seeing the right outcome. It's interesting that as Jesus wraps up the story of these ten virgins, he goes into another parable. Perhaps you didn't realize they were back to back, but they are. Because in verse 14, Jesus continues and he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he that received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. We know the parable of the talents. Two of the three used what the master had given them. They took advantage of the opportunity afforded them. They invested and doubled the money. The other went and hid his money in the ground and made no preparation for the return of the master. And when he returns, we read the exchange. The two who had increased their talents are blessed and told, you have been faithful over little. Listen to what he says. I will make you Lord over much. You have been faithful with your five talents and your two talents. And because you are faithful with it, I'm going to give you more. You're getting a raise. I'm entrusting you with more of what I have. But the one who didn't increase his talent had a very different outcome. The Bible says he was fearful and not faithful. And he also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Somebody say he was afraid. He was afraid. And he said, I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you have what is yours. He says, look, I didn't lose anything. He wasn't entrusted with his talent to return it. He was entrusted with it to bring increase. Fear kept him from planting. So there was no harvest in his life. His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. It says, take it from him and give it to the one who made preparation for my return. 
Listen, everything that we have, everything that we have belongs to God. I don't know if you knew that or not, but everything that we have belongs to God. You didn't come in your car tonight. You came in God's car and maybe a bank too. I don't know. (laughs) They share it. You didn't, you're not going to bed in your house tonight. You're going to bed in God's house tonight. You're not wearing your clothes. You're wearing God's clothes. I, I, I know some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. But listen to this. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, it all belongs to God. Everything that I have belongs to To God. I am the man with the talents. I have been entrusted with some things in my life. They don't belong to me. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. It's not my job. It's God's job. It's not my house. God's house. It's not my friends and my family. It's God's friends and God's family. And everything that I have, it belongs to Him. I've been entrusted with it. To do something with it that matters to the kingdom of my master. Everything I have is his. That means that we are just managers of God's stuff. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything that we have. Your talent is God's. Your ability and skills, they are God's. Everything belongs to him. And so it is our responsibility to do well with what He gave us. He gave us our breath, our life, our family, our career, our time, our talent, our worldly wealth, and our spiritual riches. It all comes from Him, and ultimately it all belongs to Him. And so that changes my relationship with the things that God has placed in my life. Because if it's mine, I am the owner. And I, as the owner, have rights. But if it's God's, then I am the manager. And as a manager, I don't have rights. I have responsibilities. And if we could begin to see our lives through the lens of stewardship, it would change the dynamic of what we do with our time, of what we do with our money, of what we do with our talent, of what we do with our effort. Because it's not Mine to begin with. James said it this way. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Everything that I have belongs to Him. It's not that I owe it to Him. It's that it's His right now. And that changes my relationship to those things. Because if it all belongs to God, then I must use it primarily to bless His kingdom. I must use it primarily to bless His purpose and His cause. If it all belongs to Him, then His purpose is preeminent over all of my plans. It overshadows what I do and with what I have. It overshadows everything about my life. So if I have a talent, God didn't give it to me for self-enrichment. He gave it to me to bless His kingdom with it. And if I will be faithful to bless his kingdom with it, listen to what he says to those who are faithful. He says that you have been faithful with what I've given you. 
And so I want to give you more. There is a harvest for those who are wise stewards with God's stuff. If I hide it, if I ignore it, and hope for the best, the scripture says that one day I will lose what God has allowed me to be a steward. And so we're left with a choice of what kind of harvest do we want to have in our life. What do we want to see come out of our life? Because how I manage God's stuff determines what God will send my way in my future. So ladies and gentlemen, I am planting now. I'm planting now for a harvest then. What I'm doing today is determining my outcome in the future. And how I'm navigating my decisions, my choices, and the things I spend my time, my money, my energy, my love, and my life on. They are setting me up for the kind of harvest that I will receive in the future. Because God works through the principle of sowing and reaping. And so what kind of harvest is in your future? I just want to probe you with that question tonight. What kind of harvest will you get from what you're planting right now? Am I planning today for the outcome that I long to see tomorrow? We often look at other people's lives and wish that we had their walk with God or wish that we had some of the things that God has blessed them with. But I'm here to tell you that they didn't get there overnight and neither will you. We want their anointing, but we don't want their process. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> we want their blessing, but we don't want to sacrifice what they sacrificed and sow what they had to sow to get to it. And so, if I want what they've got, I can have it. If God says I can have it, I can have it through the law of seed in harvest. If you want a dynamic prayer life, then start sowing the seeds of prayer and of faith. If you desire to be used of God, start sowing servanthood to the opportunities that are in front of you. If you desire a good marriage, start planting seeds of love, kindness, generosity, and selflessness. Who would have thought that you could get a harvest of a happy and satisfying marriage if you planted the right stuff? But if you're grumpy all the time, <laughs> amen, I'll let you fill in the blanks. <laughs> If you're unhappy all the time, if you're negative all the time, rude all the time, you're not going to reap a harvest of happiness. Amen. Somebody say, I'm planting for my future. I'm planting for my future. Listen, if you desire finance, start sowing seeds of financial responsibility. Because let me tell you something. You can start by listening to the simple advice of Scripture to avoid debt. To count the cost, that means to budget, to tithe, to give generously. Start listening to what the Bible says about money and see what God does with your money. Amen. I, I, I've talked a little bit about it, but a little, probably about this time, about a year ago, I was trying to get ready for a class that we had back here. Brother Eric and some others taught a financial class, and I was trying to get them information to make their job easier. And so I downloaded the audio book called uh, uh, your I think it's a, your financial makeover. It's Dave Ramsey's book. I can't remember what it's called right now. Somebody said it. 
Financial Peace. Yeah, that, that's the course, but I, I downloaded it, one of his books. It was an audio book because, you know, who has time to read these days? So I was riding down the road for two days listening to this book, and I thought, boy, this will be good for the class. But all the while, God had his sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and he was stabbing at me saying, man, how are you going to pass this along to other people? You need this yourself. I took it to my wife, and we said about, we decided that day, by the end of the year, we're going to try to be debt-free. I don't usually share numbers, but it was about $26,000, and God allowed us to pay that off last year. Everything but our house. I thank God for that. I don't say that to brag, because anybody can do it. But I never thought it was possible for me. And you know what happened? Is there was a little book sitting on my desk that somebody had given me a long time ago. I pulled it out. It's called God's Debt-Free Guarantee. I opened it up, and I was reading through it. This is before I got started. And I was reading testimonies of people that said, when I decided to get debt-free, when I decided to do that, it wasn't just a few weeks later that a check showed up in the mail. And I thought, hey, Lord, do it to me. Just joking with God. Anybody ever do that? Just joking with God. I read it and I said, well, hey, Lord, come on, somebody. (laughs) Send it on down. We started paying off debt. We tightened our budget. We stopped eating out. I started carrying a lunch to work every day. We tightened the belt. We did all the things you're supposed to do. We started paying off. And I want to tell you, it wasn't about a month later that unexpected. We received a large check that enabled me to pay off my truck. Just out of the blue. Just somebody who said, I just felt it. And you know what? The Lord spoke to me when it happened. And he said, see, my word says that if you'll do it, I will join with you. And if you will sow financial responsibility, then God can trust you to do the right stuff when he does send financial blessing. You know why God didn't send that check three months ago? Before that, I would have blown it. But when I started sowing the right seed, I started seeing the right harvest. And God, through the last year, has blessed me in many more ways than I could ever explain. And that I could ever tell. Because over and over again, and I'm not talking large sums of money. I'm just talking about at every turn and every juncture, God has proved Himself faithful. And I have seen a harvest of good decisions, of biblical decisions in my life. And it didn't happen because God likes me better than you. It happened because I sowed the right kind of seed. I trusted God's word. I started following his plan. And I started seeing legitimate, real world outcomes because of that. And that's what I'm preaching to you tonight. Not just about finances. I'm talking about the things of the spirit. Some of you have prayed for spiritual gifts. Lord, I want to be used. Let me tell you something. If you'll sow into prayer. And if you'll support ministries that you see that are like that. Like what you want to be. And if you'll pray for those people. And if you'll uplift those people, you'll begin to see God send stuff your way because he can trust you with it. And that's the parable of the talents. Why did he give the guy who had five or ten? Why did he give him the one from the guy who, who didn't increase it? Because he knew that he could trust him. And he knew that if he gave it to the one with ten, that he would use it to bless his kingdom. And if you want to see the blessings of God, start sowing into his kingdom. Sow to the Spirit, Paul said, and reap of the Spirit life everlasting. What Paul is saying is that when you sow to the Spirit, there are eternal blessings that will be harvested because of where you sow and what kind of seed you sow. 
I want to tell you, harvests don't happen overnight. That's not the nature of a harvest. If you had something happen overnight, it was a miracle. It wasn't a harvest. Harvests don't happen overnight. They happen when people are committed to planting and watering and working until they see the outcome. Until they see the outcome. That's how harvests work. You don't wake up one morning and have a beautiful field of wheat. You just don't do it. It takes time and effort and commitment and circumstance. And listen to what the Bible says, how we should sow. I'm wrapping up. James 5, 7 and 8 says, So be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Somebody say he waits for it. He is patient until the ground receives the early and the late rains. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He says that the farmer waits and he's patient until the ground sees the early and the late rains. He understands that when I plant it, it may not be time. And all that needs to happen may not have happened for it to spring up. But I've planted it. And some rains will come along. There will be some early rains and there will be some late rains. And I can't see what's happening under the surface. But I know that God will send the right stuff and let the right things happen for the harvest to occur. Don't know how it happens. Don't understand everything that's going on behind the process. But if I sow the seed, I'll see the harvest. He says, sow in patience and in faith. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 says that we should sow bountifully. How many of you ever gave an, gave an offering and said, oh, Lord, I want to see a harvest. I'm going to, I'm going to cast a seed offering. Anybody ever done that? That's okay. It's all right. I want, to, I want to cast a seed offering. Let me tell you what's better than seed offering. Seeds offering. <laughs> he says, sow bountifully. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It matters how many seeds you're throwing out. It matters. It matters that if you want to develop a closer walk with God and a deeper prayer life, how often you pray. So the more you sow, the more you reap. It matters how much time you spend with your family. If you want to reap children who love the Lord, it matters how much you don't sit them down one time in their life and say, listen, kids, you need to love Jesus. And walk away and drop the microphone and said, I raise my kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. No, it takes. The Bible says that you should teach them in when you, thou risest and when thou sittest and when thou comest and when thou goest. It's what he says. Always be teaching. If you want to see your kids go in the way that you go, always be talking to them about the things of the Lord. Always be leading them in the things of the Lord. And you'll sow, you'll sow into them some things that will produce a harvest. So bountifully, if you want to see God work in your family, so bountifully, put work on pause and spend more time with your family. So bountifully into your kids. So bountifully, if it's career and you're at that stage of life where you need God to bless your career, so into your career. That's not a bad thing. I'm telling you, wherever God leads you to sow, so bountifully. Not only should we sow bountifully, we should sow to the Spirit. Galatians 6, 8. 
For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the uh, Spirit reap eternal life. We should sow where the Spirit says so. Amen? And finally, I'm going to end with this. The Bible says that we should sow until we reap. Amen? Sow until we reap. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. Listen to this in the English Standard Version. It says, why I chose it. It says, for at the proper time. Somebody say the proper time. At the proper time. We will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. We will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. We will reap a harvest. Somebody needs to let that get in your spirit. It's not maybe. It's we will reap a harvest if we do not faint. This week I ran across a well-known quotation from Calvin Coolidge on the importance of persistence over the long haul. Listen to what he says. He says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence, determination alone are omnipotent. This is especially true in the spiritual realm. Because we live in a fallen world and deal constantly with fallen people. And it's easy to grow weary and say, what is the use? Sometimes we need a reality check. Life is hard. So you know what we do? We deal with it and live anyway. People are jerks. You know what we do? You love them anyway. Things don't go as we plan. We keep moving forward anyways. People forget to say thank you. We help them anyway. People are hard-headed. We share Christ with them anyway. Not all of our prayers are answered. Guess what? We keep praying anyway. God doesn't do what you think He should do. You trust Him anyway. You may be scared and filled with fear. Keep believing anyway. Your friends will criticize you. Do right anyway. The important thing is that you keep on sowing, even if through tears, even if with a weary heart. Because Scripture promises us that we will reap. We will reap in due season at the proper time if we do not quit. If we do not quit. One of the greatest running backs in the NFL was Walter Payton. He's five foot ten and two hundred two pounds. Payton set the all time rushing record of sixteen thousand seven hundred twenty six yards during his twelve year career. He carried the football over nine miles. If you divide that by the number of times he carried the ball, you'll discover an amazing statistic. That he was knocked to the ground on average every 4.4 yards of those nine miles by someone bigger and stronger than himself. But he set the record because every time someone knocked him up, he lined back up, he got the ball, and he started running again. He kept getting up, and when he was knocked down, he got back up and kept carrying the ball again. And he would get knocked down, and he would get up and carry the ball again. 
It's an overlooked secret of greatness that when you are knocked down by discouragement, you don't stay down. When you can't see the results right now of what you're planting, you keep planting anyway. You keep getting up. You keep getting back into the harvest. You keep getting back into the field. You keep praying, even though God hasn't answered that prayer yet. You get up and get back in the game for the glory of God. Because great victory awaits those who have great endurance. And here is all God asks of us. That if we're planting, that we don't give up. We don't stop. We don't grow weary. We keep going. Because there will be a harvest to come. And that harvest will partly come in life and some of it will come when we get to heaven. But here is the God's honest truth. Is that it will come. If we do not faint. Let's stand together at the end of this service tonight. Somebody say it will come. If I don't quit. I've got to keep sowing the seeds. I've got to keep... Working towards the outcome. I believe there's miraculous and spiritual power in people who sow to the Spirit. And people who are not interested in following the flesh, but people who will listen to the voice of God. And they'll invest time in the kingdom. They'll invest their lives and their hearts and they'll lay it down on the line. We heard a great preacher here a couple weeks ago preach about laying it down. And that's what I'm preaching about tonight is we got to sow to the Spirit. If we want to see this church grow, we got to sow into that future. Amen? How many of you want to see that? we got to find a way to sow into that harvest. If we want to see kids revival, we've got to sow into our kids. We've got to sow into our youth. We've got to sow into our college age. We've, we've got whatever kind of harvest we want to see, we've got to get involved in planting in. Does anybody have a harvest they want in their life tonight? I wonder if we can lift our hands. We're going to pray. Ushers, prepare to come. We're going to, we're going to take offering in just a moment, but let's pray right now. Lord, God, your word is true, God. You are not a man that you should lie. And your word says that if we will uh, plant the right stuff, if we will sow to the Spirit, that we will reap of the Spirit life everlasting. God, I pray, God, that in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits, we would begin to sow the right seeds, God. I pray that we would begin to sow seeds of prayer, of faith, God, of belief, God, of steadfastness, of endurance, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the harvest that you have declared is ours. God, I pray that you would give us the spiritual grit to keep on keeping on. God, to stand back up, to believe again, to march forward again, to move in worship again, God, to lay down our lives again. God, whatever it takes till we see the harvest come. I pray for those that are tired, God, that you would refire and re-energize our spirits and help us to see the harvest that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we believe. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Ushers, please come. We're going to collect our tithe and offering. At the Somebody say, the harvest is up to me. It's up to me. Whatever I want to see in my life, I'm not going to pray for a miracle. Amen. Here's the beautiful thing. Is that if you haven't been sowing the right things, you can start today. If you haven't been sowing to see the harvest of spiritual blessing in your life, you can start right now. 
Amen. All it takes is a heart that says, yes, Lord, I want to follow after you. I want to walk in your ways. God. I want to see the harvest that you have for me in my life. And if you'll do that tonight, I believe that God will bring about a harvest in each and every one of our life. I want to see us receive all that God has for us. How many of you want to receive that tonight?